This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. To hell and back is in the job description. Roughed up, scuffed up, run over, kicked, thrown, dropped, dunked, and done the unthinkable is a duty we've embraced for more than 40 years. Through superior engineering and constant innovation, only Pelican has conquered the chaos a life of ambition can dish out. And we've done it to empower you. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. I'm Dustin, your host. Tonight, we have Justin Ritchie from Salt Strong. Um, he just recently had some good results over at the Extreme Kite Fishing Tournament, an offshore event there in, uh, in southern Florida. So we're going to bring him on, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the Salt Strong um, family and uh, what they got going on. There he is. What's going on tonight, brother? What's going what's on? Up? What's up? What's up, buddy? Oh, man. Just uh, trying to end the evening after a long day at work, man. That's uh, yeah. tough. You know, come home and kick back. But, you know, got to get on the show. Got to get up here and try to get a little segment done, you know, get you on here. Yeah, man. I'm excited about what's been going on, you know. I'm excited to be here, man. Thank you for uh for reaching out to me. I love I love doing podcasts, filling everybody in. We got a, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> oh wow, for <laughs> sure. We could probably spend half the show talking about one of your uh your soft strong 
co-workers Wyatt <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> Wyatt, you listening? No, what's man? up, man? Listen, ah, oh, yeah, no I'm bar, sure I'm no right no I'll be listening along, man. Need to get on the water with him soon. Um, well, cool deal, man. Well, uh, you know, got Justin Ivy on tonight. Um, everybody, uh, you know, we're gonna let him introduce himself and uh, give a little backstory. Talk about uh, his fishing bug, where it started, and what led him into that plastic boat. Uh, cool. So, what's going on, everybody? Uh, don't mind my crazy hair. It's been a long day, just like Dustin said for both of us. <laughs> um, my name is Justin. I was born and raised here in Orlando, Florida. Uh, just like any good old Florida boy, uh, you know, grew up fishing all the bass ponds here around Orlando, yep. Orlando, <laughs> Central Florida, and uh, quickly fell back in love with fishing in my teenage years in high school, pond hopping. Um, went to University of Florida up in Gainesville, and I had a Corolla at the time, and I always wanted a chance to get on the water. I've never owned a boat in my life, like a real boat, and I just wanted opportunities to get on the water, but, you know, as a as a, a broke college kid, I didn't have many opportunities, but I did have a chance to rent a tandem sit-inside kayak from the Outdoor Rec Center at UF, and Cedar Key is only about an hour drive. So what I would do is I would get, you know, towels and pads and I'd talk to friends in my psych class, my math class, science class and say, look, I need to I need another person to paddle this puppy because it's not easy paddling a two person sit inside tandem. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) So I said, I will provide all the gear, all of my knowledge. Uh, I will pay for gas. Hey, who's calling me? Who's calling me? (laughs) Yeah, boom, boom. Phone on silent, Dustin. You're you're supposed to be a pro by now. <laughs> what, a, what a newbie! What a newbie! I know, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so I would uh, I would incentivize people and say, look, if you want to go out and go fish, I will put us on fish, but I just need you to come with me and you know pull your weight, literally, like come out and join me and paddle. And uh, and they would pay for the rental fee. It was like forty five bucks for a whole weekend. It was really cheap. Oh wow, that's cool. I did that all through college, graduated, and I moved back to Orlando. Uh, my, my background is in as funny, funny as it sounds in fine arts. I have a, a bachelor's of fine arts in acting and a degree in fisheries and aquatic science. So fisheries management. Um, cool. So kind of like acting and science fish stuff. Like it, yeah. I was going to make it work. I just, I knew I, I had to act like I'm catching a fish. Oh, there he is. Like, <laughs> well, you ain't seen no pants. So, um, so I got home and I was like, you know, my, my parents were kind enough to help me with with a with a small graduation gift. And they said, what would you like to do? And my, some of my friends like went on trips and some friends got cars and did crazy stuff. And I was like, here's all I want. I've got half the money for like a cheapy four or $500 kayak that I saved up a little bit while working through college. I said, help me buy a cheap kayak from Dick's Sporting Goods and uh, maybe help me pay for my gas for like two, three months. And don't make me get a job. And they're like, no, you need to get a job, honey. And I'm like, no, no. All I've done is school and work. I went to college. I just, I want to decompress and have like two, three months of doing nothing but fish in Mosquito Lagoon. And I did. I did that for like <laughs> three or four months. Fishing <laughs> Lagoon like three to four days a week. Driving over with the Corolla and the kayak, like a little 12-foot sit-on-top kayak. And... I remember my first time fishing Mosquito Lagoon. Um, I had never seen a tail and redfish before. This was college. Like I, I've caught redfish and trout and stuff over in Cedar Key, 
but fish in the lagoon when mm -hmm. there was seagrass and the water was crystal clear yeah. is magical. And yes. um, I got 12 redfish that day. They were all upper slot, over slot, all sight fished, tailing fish, crystal clear water. I mean, I was cane pulling some fish. It was one of the best fishing trips of my life. I remember it vividly the first time I went out there. Um, and it just, I mean, it exploded from there. I, I realized how close I could get to redfish from a kayak. I realized how much money I was saving, uh, not needing to have a boat and tow everything over, deal with all the electronics and the repairs and things. And I just kept things really, really simple. Milk crate, two rods and rod holders, a paddle and a life vest and whistle. And I would just go and I'd be gone all day and I'd get lobster red sunburnt and Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just, I mean, nothing else compared to the feeling of not just catching fish, but being out there. And it's like the sounds, the smells, the feeling of like yep. the sun on you. I mean, it, it's special. And I kept with it. You know, I upgraded my kayak a couple times. I, you know, met some friends in the Orlando kayak fishing forum and, you know, started doing a couple tournaments here and there with my friend, Nick Dyeroff. I think he's retired. I don't know if Nick Dyeroff fishes anymore, but he did it a while back. And, uh, I think by about 2014, um, I got my first Hobie. I saved up, used my tax return and, and some funds. And I bought a, I bought a Hobie Outback from uh, kayaks by Bo in Titusville. And I was in the best shape of my life. Uh, I was just in a, a good spot in my life. I was like 24, 25 and, um, fished my, my first IFA tournament got disqualified. That's a whole other story, but it's, <laughs> uh, follow the rules. Anybody out there doing a tournament? Follow your rules to Do a T. It's not even a joke. Like not yeah, a joke. I would have gotten like fourth place, I think, if I didn't get DQ'd. So I was pretty bummed by that. But my next tournament, I won. And it was my first tournament that I've actually like won and, and got a good place in. Was really excited. I was competing against some of the OG guys, Dustin, like Pepe Vidal, Alan Riley, oh, yeah. Redfish Chuck, Alex Gorinchki, I mean D. Kaminsky, all those diehard sight fishing people in Brevard County, fishing the Mosquito yep. Lagoon, Indian River. And uh, and I took first. I was really, really happy about it. The week after was a boat tournament. Uh, we, kayaks could compete in it. That was a cash payout. I took first in that. And I started awesome. thinking like, man, um, I don't know if this is luck. I don't know if it's all prep. I don't know if it's preparation, if it's kind of a combination of the two. But I was in the best shape of my life. I was in the best mental state of my life. Um, and I was just so determined to be at 110% uh, the best of my abilities at that time. And uh, one of the, I think a month or two later, I competed in an IFA tournament up in Jacksonville um, in 2014. And I won that one. Um, and I didn't realize when I got up on the podium and I was talking to the tournament director at the time and he said, are you ready to go to Amsterdam? I said, why would I, why would I go to Amsterdam? And everybody's giggling. Rory Gregg, all the guys up in the Jacksonville. Oh, I was about to say Rory Gregg. He's a, from Jacksonville Rory, there. Yeah, yep. yeah. Rory was there. Uh, a lot of people. And, uh, and I was like, why would I go to Amsterdam? And they said, son, you just won the regional qualifier for the Hobie World Championship. You get to go to Amsterdam. And I was like, oh, my God. So For real? <laughs> like, why? This is nuts. Like, I've never been – never, I've never traveled outside of the country in my life. So went to Amsterdam, did the Hobie Worlds, met 50 of some of the most intense kayak fishermen from Australia, from China, all over England, Europe, um, even locals that like I thought were just going to sweep the floor with all of us. I took fourth out of 50 yeah, in that tournament. Fishing for some species you've never even targeted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like bike and perch and uh, some other was Xander? silver Xanders or whatever. Yeah, exactly. 
those I, fish. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And after that, I, I still did tournaments here and there. I'd take second and third in other IFAs. And I, that all kind of settled out. Let's fast forward a couple years. Life happened. I, I met my now wife, settled down, got married, bought a house, got a dog, still loved fishing, still was fishing all the time. Wasn't doing the tournament scene as much. It just kind of, everybody goes through it. You go through a transition in life. And I uh, did my first offshore kayak tournament. I was kind of nervous to do it because as you know, Dustin, when you go offshore, your electronics, your rigs, your safety requirements, it's a lot more intense and it's a lot yes. more detailed. And I had just done it recreationally for fun, caught blackfin tuna. And I just did the tournament in 2019, the extreme kayak fishing tournament down in Southeast Florida um, two years ago. And I just yeah. wanted to go catch tuna. Like I, you know, I know, I, I know it's a weight tournament. I, I know you need Kings and Mahi and a, co a combined weight bag to win. I just wanted to go get a big tuna. That's all I cared yeah, about. You and crushed a big tuna too. <laughs> I, I got a fucking 22 pound tuna. I got my two small Kings and I took first. Yep. First time ever fishing in offshore, the extreme kayak tournament. And I was like, you know, if any, any tournament that you've won or done well in and you, and you do well, and everyone's like, good job, man. Good job. And you have that feeling of like, thank you. Thank you. But it doesn't set in. It doesn't mm -hmm. hit you. And you know, you're not, and you're like, yeah, man, there's times where I know I, I did well and you're happy with yourself and happy with what happened, but the magnitude of what happens doesn't set in for days, a week or more. And then you realize like, wow, I busted my butt and it paid off and it feels good. And, you know, all that came to kind of a head. I, I was, I was a rep in the industry um, for about two years. I was the rep for star rods, owner hooks, uh, the bubble box, keep your bait alive, marine yeah. metal products, um, and a bunch of other brands. And I love doing that. But at the end of 2020, um, I, I, Joe from Salt Strong reached out to me. He was actually a customer of mine. I would work with them on getting them owner hooks and all the twist locks and stuff. And uh, Joe reached out to me and we talked and I knew they were looking to, you know, add somebody onto their team as a head of tackle. So kind of like a buying role to, to buy all kinds of product for all of our members, um, rods, reels, lures, everything. And it's right up my alley. It was, it was, it was a good move. This is, this is the best job I've ever had in my life. I'm very humbled to be with Joe and the guys at Salt Strong. Um, not just because I, I mean, I, I get to work from home. I get to talk to a lot of, you know, fishermen that I think the biggest thing, Dustin, that, that brings me joy wasn't the fact that all the perks and benefits that come with working for Salt Strong. It's being able to teach people how to hone their craft. Like if you're really good at something, there's something incredibly gratifying about teaching others. Cause I mean, we could be great fishermen and live our whole lives and, and never share that experience. And, and what good does that do? It brings me joy to know that I can share my experiences, my skill set, and help others catch their first big redfish or their first kingfish or first snook. Um, that that's gratifying on a whole different level. It's very fulfilling. So I love being a part of the community and I love the camaraderie of the team. Yep. Wyatt, you're a big part of that, man. If you listen in, um, it just it fills my heart with a lot of joy. So it kind of brings me to where I am today. Um, I'm nestled in, uh, head of tackle assault strong, yeah, tackle and, assault strong. Yep. doing, doing, uh, tournaments, I guess as cameos. <laughs> yeah. Your first, uh, extreme kayak fishing tournament and you took first place. And then this most recent one, a few weeks back, uh, you had a second. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I did. I did. Sure so, did. <clears throat> um, so the Extreme Cock Tournament had its ups and downs in 2020 because of COVID. Yep. One of the tournaments was canceled. The next one was just big. We all had to distance ourselves and the craziness. I didn't do super well in that one last year. But this one that happened about two weeks ago, week and a half ago, uh, went down, knew that I really wanted to do the tournament just because I, I like supporting Joe Hector. He's a good guy. It's it's a family operation, and it's a big payout. I mean, first place is uh, is five grand five, for five, a kayak yeah. tournament, which is nuts. I mean, where kayak fishing has come 15 years ago to now, like even with the Hobie, Hobie tournaments and whatnot. Yeah, it, it's, it's insane. It's so big. Um, I, I was a little apprehensive to do this tournament because it was going to be like two to three foot seas, 15, 20 mile an hour winds out of the southeast. So we're just getting e- hammered with wind. Hammered. <laughs> like four or five second interval. It was not fun. It was sloppy. And usually yeah. this extreme tournament is a two part series. You got one in June and then one in August. Yeah. He just combined it all into one included all like the bonus cash prizes and the, and the actual prizes into one big tournament and uh, just said, all right, everybody, we're just going to send it. And I went out pre-fished the day before. I think I was the only kayak. No, Franco Natividad. Forgive me if I butchered your last name. Franco was out there. He was way south of me, but it's one of the, one of the only kayakers pre-fishing the day before, because all the locals were like, I ain't fishing in that crap. Like that's not fun. <laughs> but I, I just, I don't know. I want to push myself. It's not about, um, you know, going on, getting on a bunch of fish, real different doing it offshore. Cause these fish are always moving around. They could be in 180 feet one day and then hundred feet the next day. And the conditions could be exactly the same, but uh, I just wanted to see if the tournament was going to be worth it. And if I could handle that slop bite was really good. Got two Kingfish and like a 18 pound tuna. I was off the water by 11 the day before I was like, man, I cool. 40, 40 something pounds. That's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Solid. Yeah. I feel pretty good. So did the tournament morning of, um, bought extra bait. Uh, for those of you that have not done this tournament, the extreme kayak fishing tournament is, you know, it's exactly what it is. It's extreme. It, as long as it is safe enough, we're going to hold out. <laughs> you're going to go out and you're, you're going to do it. You're probably going to get a lot of water in the kayak. You're going to need to de bail water out of the kayak. Um, I bought, extra bait and goggle eyes that you reserve uh, the day of the tournament's not cheap, but I've got 10 goggle eyes. Cause I was like, man, if there's kudas and bonitas and things to weed out, I just, I want to lose that. the weight, have extra bait to, to get the right fish. Yeah. 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 You got to have, the and, those, and that's what is cool about this tournament. Y'all actually, hit, there's actually a, like a, <laughs> the bait Butler. It's what I would call the bait, bro. There's a <laughs> boat out there. You like pull up and get your bait from. Like yeah, the bait, no, the it's, Butler. <laughs> it's a serious operation, man. And they, and like those guys have been going out and catching bait for weeks, penning them up, feeding them. Like it's a big, it's a planned thing. There's a lot yeah. of moving parts to to getting the shuttling that bait out there. But got out. Long story short of the tournament, um, got my kid, got one king early, like a 17, 18 pound king. Cool. Spent the rest of the day jigging, you know, 
uh, doing what you call a poor man's downrigger. So you get like uh, like a little rubber band and a teardrop sinker, and you like loop it on your line, and you got 20 feet a liter. So you got a rubber band kind of holding your bait down a little bit while you're trolling around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I went the rest of the day, and I didn't have a whole lot of luck. I got one or two king cutoffs, hooked something big that almost fooled me, and it was like 12:30, and I was I was like, hey man, I gave him my best shot. The weather was rough. I had my shots. I didn't hook any. I got one king and like a little mahi that didn't count. It was like yeah. needed to be five pounds. Right. It was four point nine eight. God, like, I said, let me dip it in the water real quick. Yeah. Like, like, let me add a little bit of weight. Um, I made my way back in hundred feet, ninety feet, eighty feet, sixty, seventy, sixty feet, and there's a reef line down there in about 55, 60 feet of water that runs north. The is day that before, like the um, Coquina Rock, kind of the rock yeah. line that runs along the coast down there. Yep. yep, yep, yep. It's the Coquina Rock line. I mean, there's the Brevard Reef that comes out further than oh, okay. 75 feet, but it's 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 all probably part of the same system. Yeah. And uh, the day before, Joe Hector and I were talking. He's got a little black book, and he calls it his, his, his almanac. And he's like, "Listen, man, um, the locals know that in the summer months, around full and new moons." We have walls of wahoo that move into our local waters. He's like, we've had tournaments where guys have caught 70-pound wahoo during the tournament. It's It's yep, yep. been nuts. And he said, here's the thing that people don't tell you is those wahoo, they come into 60 feet, and they come into that reef line, and they just eat whatever they want to eat. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I didn't think about like 50, 60-pound wahoo and 60 feet of water. He's like, yeah. That's, that's insane. That's why he's like, that's why you'll see a couple boats bumping around that shallow. They're not yeah. going for kings. They're going for big Wahoo. Made my way into the 60-foot reef. I had one bait left on a down rig. Got hammered. Stripped so much line, it spooked all the ballyhoo on the surface. There were ballyhoo showering everywhere. <laughs> freaked out. I was like, this is it. I got, I got a Wahoo. And I'm sitting, I'm like saying out loud, please, God, please. I know I haven't done that much lately, but please, if you could just yeah. help me. And, um, you know, finally got it up. I can't believe I landed that fish. Ended up being another 18-pound kingfish. Got a bad belly gaff. Got it in the kayak. It tangled up in my mirage drive on my other setup. I, It was a mess, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. Right, right. Got it in. Got back on land. I'm thinking, like, man, I'm this is pretty good. These are tough conditions. Get back on land. My friend Sean Rolls, local yeah. down there, I looked at him and was, hey, man, how'd you do? I look inside his fish bag. And he's got two big tails sticking out of the bag. I'm like, all right. So I didn't, I didn't get first. <laughs> I knew right off the bat. I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe everybody did a little bit better. Um, and uh, I think about halfway through, I realized Sean owned it. He got like 60 or 70 pounds, got two almost 30 pound Kings and wow. like a 16, 17 pound tuna. I mean, like yeah, in those awful pounds. conditions. Yeah, I yeah. just recorded with uh, Sean the other day. You did? Also, yeah, so he, yeah. there'll be an episode coming out with Sean also. Sean, you're um, my boy, man. Like, yeah. you, you talk about the, he's very, very humble. He's dedicated. And yep. He's like really, really nice guy. I would crash at his place a couple times and come down for, for prior tournaments, for Sailfish Smackdown events. So it was very like shake and bake. For him to get first and me to get second, like it, we're both really, right. really. That's happy awesome. About it. Yeah, get to share that that with yeah. him too. So, being that you are in Orlando, um, you're you're not that far away from from me, uh, from the coast actually. Beeline Highway <laughs> put you right there in a uh, Space Coast pretty quick. Uh, I know there's some other stuff around there from surfing down that way. I grew up in Southeast Georgia, so 
I was uh, very familiar with, uh, you know, Indy Atlantic, Melbourne, you know, Sebastian yeah. Inlet and all that, Vero Beach and all that, surfing all the way down to West Palm at times when the, the conditions were right. Um, you know, being that you're there in, in, in Central Florida, um, how often do you say you would get to target um, offshore species and uh, and get ready for a tournament like this? You said you just pre-fished the one day before. That was it? That's all. Yeah, a lot of times that's all, all you had. Yeah. That's all I can do, man. And that's, I I don't know. I'm okay with one day for an offshore tournament. Man, if I was doing an inshore tournament, I need like three. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got to really find these fish that are holed up. But um, I still fish near shore in Brevard County uh, coming into this time of the year from now until about the end of August, early September, mm-hmm. until the storms really kick up and you just can't make it out. Yeah. We get calm west wind days. The water clears up. A lot of the threadfin and pogies show up, and you can get you can get big kings, twenty five feet of water, half a mile off the beach. All the tarpon roll in. Yeah. I'm using about the same gear, um, so I can kind of practice a little bit in nearshore waters locally. But mm-hmm. it's a three and a half hour drive if I want to go down and fish pompano, for pompano tuna, right. yeah. sailfish. So it is a it's a commitment. Um, I only know one or two other guys coming from Central Florida running down there. Right. Yeah, I'd be I'd be running over there and chasing those buoy bass down there. Oh, it's the old hey. triple tail down there. That's a pretty good region. I know a a surfing buddy of mine who you know social media friend. I'll say uh, Scott Lum was. Uh, he's an awesome captain down there on the space coast down there. Uh, he's he he's got he him, some solid work, man, on the triple tail. You know, and that's I a great. He's fish. got him tagged. They got to be. I think he's got him figured out pretty good. You know, yeah. every time I get over there, I'm, man, I need to get over there and fish with you. And I've seen him, you know, send him tackle here and there. Hey, try these, you know, some stuff from over here that he might not find over there, you know. Yeah, they like our, our custom porkies and all that kind of stuff and different kind of plastics that he might not see over there. I've sent him a couple things here and there. Tri- triple cool. tail will uh they'll break your heart around the buoy yeah. line if you hook a big one. So I oh yeah, I try to come prepared. <laughs> yeah, those are some some awesome table fare and uh awesome fighting fish you know they're they're super strong they're nothing but solid muscle and three tails that's why they call them triple tail they got all that power on that back end you know it's just crazy yeah man so well cool deal man um we'll talk about salt strong a little bit you know um you know you, you kind of let on a little bit at the beginning and uh but you know what else going on with that give us some insight on um resources and stuff that are available for um you know to help in all all the anglers anglers that are a uh, part of that program um free is it sub- subscription based or, or what's what's the deal with it you know give everybody so, a little scoop the whole focus of salt strong is to help it's anglers helping anglers joe and luke and luke has a pretty strong tournament background himself they felt that you know they there's opportunities for people to learn how to be better at golf there's opportunities to you know hone your you know in bodybuilding to go to the gym and have a trainer there really isn't an opportunity to have a platform to teach people how to be better at inshore fishing. And they found this niche and this opportunity to educate people to better their craft. And all the while form this community of anglers, this insider membership. I think we're at 25,000 people right now. Yeah, Um, It's massive. And it's not just about education. And there is an opportunity for insider members to earn discounts on tackle. That's cool. I think the biggest thing is community. So we have an we have an inside community platform where it's kind of like a private Facebook, but you don't have all of the ads and all of the you know the the tagging and and the marketing and all the all the 
you know, crud that's out there on Facebook and Instagram right now. It's a platform for everybody to kind of like an original forum. You know how the forums used to be where someone's like, hey, I'm fishing around here. Anybody want to join me? Yeah, me or, hey, here's, here's a report of my catch. And every single comment from people is, that's awesome. So happy you went out and did that. What were you using? I was using this. What time of day? Everybody's sharing information. Everybody's helping everybody get better. It's kind of like a like a Neverland. Like it's really, yeah. it, it makes me really happy to jump on in the community and see everybody so hyped about sharing their experiences and helping other anglers be better. That just, it feeds into what Salt Strong is. And that's, you know, we stand behind the statement that we're the best fishing club in America. And we guarantee people will, save time and money on the water and they'll start catching more fish in less time or their money back. So there's opportunities to join the insider membership. You can subscribe and watch us on YouTube. We have a lot of great content we share publicly on YouTube as well. Um, anything and everything that has to do with inshore fishing, beach fishing, pier fishing, kayaks, first time boat owners. Um, and we're, you know, going into surf fishing near shore. Me and Wyatt are talking about the near shore stuff too. Um, it's fun. It keeps us on our toes. And we hear a lot of feedback from our members and the public on what they want to learn about. Hey, I'm coming down on vacation. I've never fished this area. What do I need to look for? What is the 90-10 rule? 90% of the fish in 10% of the water. We teach all these things. Yeah, for sure. It works. It works everywhere under any body of water. Otherwise, why would we spend three days pre-fishing for a tournament if we needed to find that 10% of the water that had 90% of the fish? Um, and, and it's cool. We even have proprietary lures. So if y'all all y'all out there ever heard of the Slam Shady. The Slam Shady. Slam What's Shady, up? baby. There it oh, is right there in your face. I got this guy's on a, uh, I think it's a 316 ounce uh, Texas Eye. Texas Eye. Eye strength fishing. Yes, sir. Lot, lots of different lures. We got Slam Shady in Z-Man. We got Slam Shady 2.0. We got the Bomber which is like that five inch with the big tail covering a lot of water. Mm-hmm. We got the power prawn, which are uh, yep. our proprietary, uh, like super durable shrimp. These things look really real and they've got a cavity for a rattle. They've got slits yep. for weedless applications, jig heads. Yeah. Um, I've been using a bunch of their stuff, Alabama leprechaun. We have so many things coming out this year. It's a couple new colors that are, been getting debuted today or tomorrow, actually. Yeah, why? Why it's been putting a hurting on some fish for that power prawn down here in, in, yeah. in Texas for sure. Uh, I've used a lot of shrimp lures, man. I've used Savage Gear, Live Target, um, Marker. Is it Marker Fifty Four? Uh, yeah, Marker Fifty Four has them. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of good shrimp lures. They all have their their time and place, but yep. overall, I've really liked this. I, I think that they've Luke has just designed it specifically for grass flats, docks, or local waters here throughout Florida. And everywhere I go, I find new ways to rig it. I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. It's a pretty, pretty versatile lure. Um, but that's that's basically it. We we welcome everybody to come. Google. Go to www.saltstrong.com. Check us out. Read the story about Luke and Joe. Who are these brothers? Why did they start this company? What are, what are we all about? What's our big mission? you know, have a million members to create a, a theme park, if you will, of people to come and, and guides to operate out of in a restaurant and a lagoon with fish to feed and charter operations and a big tackle store. Like these guys have huge dreams of creating something that's all about community and all about helping anglers be better. And 
having started as a pond hopping kid in Orlando to, you know, just roughing it, roughing it, roughing it, kayaking, whatever, to have the opportunity to be with these guys is a blessing. Pretty Um, cool. Like I wake up every morning loving the fact that I can help people be better at fishing. Yeah, for sure. I feel you on that too. Uh, Growing up in Southeast Georgia, farm pond, chasing bass, and then the inshore fishery there, fishing out of like a a 15 foot Chris Craft with a 17 70 horse Johnson or something, whatever it was. Yeah. Like hiding underneath the deck when it got rough and, you know, figuring out the tide swings over there. And then from where now starting out in that, you know, open up boundaries with that, that kayak, even if it was a little perception and I car topped on the top of a Corolla myself. We know, we know about the perceptions, man. Yeah, perception, Pescador, 12.5. That's what I had. Yeah, the, the, I had the caster, a, a caster. 12.5. Yep, yep, caster 12.5. The yellow one. It was called the bruised banana. It had black. I painted black fade on the, <laughs> the, the stern in the, the rear of aft of the kayak. And it was like all my friends said, you got that bruised banana on top of that car. And I had a some little Thule racks on the top. And, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Freaking car topped on that Corolla, baby. That's what I was talking about right there. That's, need, that's where man. it started. That's where the roots, that's where the whole the whole addiction started right there. So I, I can relate, you know, coming coming through the ranks and with Jackson and, and just being blessed to be associated with some great companies and stuff myself. So, you know, kudos for that, man, because, you know, hard work does pay off. You get, you know, you got recognized for a reason. So you know, the, like you said, the camaraderie and the the fellowship in, in, in fishing, not only in kayak fishing, just fishing in general it, it is what really draws a lot of people there. You know, there's bad seeds and everything like all sports and, and uh, aspects of life at times. There's some bad seeds here and there, but majority of, of what I've experienced, you know, in these tournaments and these get-togethers or boondoggles, what they like to call them. It's just something I'm so ready for some of those to come back this year. I'm hoping we really get to have a few get-togethers like that. I know I'm going to plug right now um, the Bayou Coast uh, Kayak Fishing Club in in, um, Louisiana has their Fall and Tide tournament coming up in October. Um, It's the Hobie Worlds qualifier also. They capped the uh, entry limit at 200. I went ahead and got my entry in even though I have conflicts. Uh, that weekend and i'm like dude i gotta make it work and get over there um uh those guys in, in that in that club that's one of the oldest operating uh kite fishing clubs in the country um, i've never fished louisiana that's on the bucket list um, yeah that should be a that should be a yeah. really rad event man it, it's, not know, it's not closed out yet is it not yet it's pretty damn close okay okay <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta take a look at it when we get off the call yeah it's on tourney x i'll send you the link actually um yeah they 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 got a good deal going on um, right now there is 110 anglers signed up in a registration just opened this morning at seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that up pretty quick. So there's some hammers already. Matt Van, I saw on there, uh, yeah, yeah. Steve Lassard. I know he's been around the IFA oh, a few times. Steve, if you hadn't heard of that name before, he signed up. Yeah, man. Uh, Steve, like he's just touched by God, man. He's lucky. That's yeah, right. Guy, a couple Jackson good. guys, Chuck Bayhan. 
Yeah, yeah. Ingaleski, he's he's part of the Bayou Coast, Sean Rastanis. I've had him on the podcast before. I'm sure I'll have him on again uh, before that event uh, to give everybody more details on that. If not, you can go to uh, check out the page, Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club on Facebook and get info on that. It's called Fallen Tide. Um, but yeah, back to uh, Mr. Justin right here. You know, I get sidetracked sometimes. You know, I got that 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 little stuff goes off to the side here yeah, and there but i'm not a good person to talk to when it comes to that because I'm, I'm a feed that's, that's that's what a podcast is right yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to i mean i gotta outline duh right here i kind of have a little bit of some questions i come up with and i i'll give that away i uh, the guest i usually send a little outline or timeline of questions and you know what makes it flow a little better um but i, know, I admire the organization you know man that's I, I, like my wife says, though, you could talk the damn paint off of a wall, you know. So, yeah, that means just running my dang mouth and <laughs> take care of it. We kind of touched on some of this stuff earlier. You know, live bait, you're talking about the, the bait caddies and the boat that would come by to what I call the bait butler. <laughs> bait butler. He's going to wear a tuxedo now. Yeah, bait butler. Yep. Dinner is served. Um, so yeah, live bait. I was gonna say yes or no, but obviously there, there's time and place and conditions in off for offshore that yeah, you would you would like to have live bait. I think You're it's not gonna if I had it my way, I would use jigs over bait in any opportunity that I could. I I'm love a, jig bites, <laughs> dude. I'm a jig fun mad. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. disgusting. And I don't know, I've kind of explained to my wife, but I don't know that she fully comprehends how much money I have invested in slow pitch jigging and vertical jigging tackle, but it's an unhealthy amount. And um, yeah. I do think it makes a big difference when you hone that craft. I kind of fell into the, we can't talk about lures, live bait. I like live bait fishing when you need to for a tournament and you're offshore. If I'm in Brevard County and it's 25 to 45 feet of water within a mile or two out. Yeah. I'm going to be using bait cause it's pretty shallow but when you go down to Southeast Florida and Southeast Florida is not like anywhere else in Florida, um, mm. the Panhandle's got some deeper areas, but you still got to go a little ways in two miles down there. You're deeper than 300 feet of water. Yeah. So it drops off fast and that's what makes it so awesome and so accessible to those guys down there. Um, you can go out there with a live bait rod and a jigging rod and that's all you really need it can be very you can be super productive keeping it very simple just like us inshore guys do go out with a paddle tail and a top water or like yep. just two rods and make it happen you could do that one live bait rod and one jigging rod whether you spin jigging or you do the slow pitch thing unconventional that i've really like lasered in on the past couple of years um but if i had it my way i would slow pitch jig for blackfin tuna Every day. So give some insight on that because I know there might be some listeners here as we don't get to target blackfin tuna from the guy. That is a very deep rabbit hole. Yeah. I'm going to do this without having my fan hit it, but custom crazy setups, slow pitch jigging setup, Tenryu Horizon SL, like Japanese rod. They're not available yeah. in the US. Custom accurate Valiant narrow with the big slow pitch jigging handle, 20 pound braid. You don't need thick braid because yeah. when you're slow pitch jigging the rod's not fighting the fish the reel's fighting the fish it's why you have a conventional <clears throat> all that winching power like yes. three feet per turn of the handle yeah <clears throat> and the whole point is i think people out there that fly fish okay mm -hmm. or people out there that whatever type of fishing you do if you become an expert um joe likes to say uh simplicity specialist on the previous podcast if you become there a you specialist go. in something 
and you you find your way into fly fishing or slow pitch jigging tackle, I think you appreciate it not just because of the unique technique that you have to hone all the moving parts and pieces, the line, the leader, the rod, the reel, the jigs, the action of the jig. It's really technical, but there's an art to it. And I think that's why I appreciate it the most is because with high-speed vertical jigging, you get a rod that's got a good recoil, a spinning reel that's got a good retrieve, 30-pound braid, 6,000-size reel, and you just jig, 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 high-speed, and you Mm -hmm. just go. Great for tuna, great for kings, great for amberjack. But slow-pitch jigging was designed for demersal species, like bottom fish, like muttons, gags. It was designed overseas in pressured fisheries for their bottom fish that, you know, they wanted to get down to depths with, with different current and they wanted to catch fish that were getting really, really difficult to catch. And a guy developed this technique of fluttering different shaped jigs. This is like a little JYG jig. It's kind of got a bevel down the center. It's like a flat diamond and you're Mm -hmm. not really high speed in this. You're kind of like you're pitching it. Mm -hmm. And what that rod does is if you took a regular jig spinning rod and you tried to like, work the jig or give it a flick or you know like a slow jerk or whatever it's not going to move in the same manner because these traditional jigging rods that we're familiar with in the u.s yeah they're thick blanks they're really responsive they'll get a fast jerk but these slower action rods that are made out of a different type of carbon material when you go to pitch that rod recoils and loads in such a way where the jig's not doing this the jig is pitching up and then sideways and fluttering and then pitching up ah. and then sideways and fluttering. You're staying in the strike zone longer yeah. and you can't really get the, the right action, at least how the jigs were intended to be fished with a rod that's not designed for the technique. So there's, so there's a lot of benefits. So it's, so it's a specialized, incredibly specialized, specialized equipment. Yes. And I kind of fell into it, I think, because, I did inshore tournaments. I did well in inshore tournaments. I love fishing for redfish. I did offshore tournaments with live bait, caught tuna, caught kingfish. I love that. I never got into the fly fishing thing. That's not for me yet. I think my later years maybe. But yeah. I fell into this because I like the technical aspect. I like the challenge. And I like the fact that there is an art to it. I This is like a 30-pound jig bag. Yeah. Okay? I can see. It's, it's gross. <laughs> you can't see that. That's a, a, a loaded bag of... Uh... Yeah, lots of like cool five, jig. six, seven, eight. Yeah. I have some. I have some jigs that are a pound, and I'm yeah. gonna. I anticipate fishing 700 to 900 feet of water for golden tile fish. Like, yes, I'm out of the kayak. If I could do that, I would. But I, that's a little yeah. bit of a hike. Um, but I love this. Uh, as much as I love inshore sight fishing for tail and redfish on a super calm day, that has its place. But for about three to four months out of the year, I love tuna. That's my jam. Yeah. My jam and my jelly, and I, I'll do it as much as I can. They sure taste good too. You can do so much with them. I'll, I'll go Bubba Gump shrimp on the tuna if you want me to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You say you say what and where, man. Oh man, yeah. So, yeah, I. Uh, where do we go from here, man? You got you got the itinerary. We. It's a lot. I uh, I know you can go way off in the <laughs> rabbit hole on those is what you're saying. So, yeah. So those, you know, speed jigging, you know, like you said, that when and where you can just go grab a, you know, a, one of the lower end pin phantom jigging rods off of the rack with a little squall 6,000. Oh, yeah. Like an ugly stick tiger light 6.6 six yeah. medium. With yeah. A little 6.6. Six. 
with a with a Daiwa BG forty five hundred or a Pen Battle five thousand or six thousand thirty yep. pound braid and a couple of like knife jigs mm-hmm. like speed jigs. This wouldn't be one, but this is pretty close. And just like work it back as fast as you can. Yep. Any of the oil rigs. I think y'all got oil rigs out there. Yeah, you. we got some short rigs nearby. Um, you know, just pick the gram size appropriate to the depth you're fishing. I mean, you yep. got some that are shallow as like 50, 60 feet, right? So in those depths, you only really need like a – the general rule of thumb, current changes the, the yep. weight of the rig, but about one gram per foot. And then when you get past like 120, 150 feet, you got different swing currents and you probably need to go a little bit heavier. So 150 feet. 150 gram jig. Um, you can still hit bottom in 200 feet with 150 gram jig. This is, I think, like a 140. So this is perfect for anything 80 feet to 250, 300 if there's no current. Right. Um, but yeah, I, when you get a good fish on a high speed jig and you're working as fast as you can and something hits it and freight trains you. Oh, it's awesome. When it happens, you're going to be like, Man, I don't want to catch redfish anymore. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that can happen. That can happen. Yeah, that can happen. I know. I shared some stuff with Sean the other day. Um, it, he said, "Man, I might have to just try that out over here." <laughs> I was like, uh, "Rolls." When I had Sean on on the podcast, um, you know, I do really well with the the heavier rattle traps for kingfish over here. Really. Yes, like the one out, like the Magnum one out. Yes, dude. Okay. Yes, Yes. and you can slow and you can jig them up too off of the reef, dude. So just the chrome and blue, chrome and blue, chrome and pink, and then the chrome and blue actually I paint black lines on them to look like a look like like a like a little the little spannies and stuff, the little small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, because I. I fish with some, it's like the cheapest Bagley's or whatever, but when they're the wind tamer, like the cheapest freaking diving bait you can oh, buy. Like, Do the bomber wind tamer. Wind cheater. Yeah. You know, like $8.99 or something. And they have that one in there. It's called mackerel is what the color is, but it's chrome blue with a green back. It's got black lines on it. And we absolutely smoke them on that over here. So I started painting my little rattle, my rattle trap, like the one ounce and one ounce and a half and upgrade the hooks on them. And I've caught some pretty good, pretty good kings on those. Dude, I've <laughs> caught some Kobe on them too. The coolest thing about fishing, regardless whether it's inshore or offshore, is taking the techniques regionally and applying them to different regions. Yep. That's it's it's awesome to say. Guys up in Jacksonville, man, we swear by gulp, curly tail mullet, and pearl white for flounder. Mm-hmm. You go down to like Southwest Florida and Pineland, it's all about DOA. Yeah. Not as, I mean, gulps works everywhere, but you take take a corky, okay, from Texas waters, use them over in Jacksonville waters. Yeah. People don't use corkies as much. People use miradines, the hard baits, but you, you do different things and you end up throwing things fish had never seen before. And all of a sudden they're like, I like that. I like that for sure. Yeah. Cause that's the thing about people listening, just like you say in different regions, you might pick up on something here that, that you haven't no nobody's really done around that area. And just like you say, it's like the fish haven't seen that before. So what's that, what's that going to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to work. Yeah. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. Yeah. And this is like over in Georgia, you know, well, they call the Kobe over here. They call them lean. Everybody calls them lean. Yeah. Lemon fish, Kobe, you know, crab whatever, eaters, whatever crab eaters. 
you know, back in the day in Georgia, we would target them with live eels. Like we pitch live eels to them. So that got me thinking, man, what if I just rig a, you know, a big jig head, like a one ounce or two ounce jig head with like some, like a big pink or big purple, you know, old monster zoom worm. And I was catching them on bass worms. Are you serious? Yeah. It's serious. <laughs> it looks, looks, looks just like a eel going through the water. Dude. And no, I hope nobody's listening. I hope nobody watches podcast. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. I've caught some giant speckled trout on bass worms. <laughs> really? I'm sharing that right now. And if y'all want to try it, get out there and try it in the wintertime and see what happens. Eels, man. So eel limitations. Yeah. All I get when I go for tarpon, um, I got a buddy, Sam Smith, came down from Connecticut. He works with a guy that uh, a company called Gravity Tackle up in the Northeast. They make custom hand poured plastics. Makes they like use a for striper, right? Yeah, they use them for striper. striper. Yep. He, he's all he has is this blackish purple eel, and mm-hmm. he uses it for everything. He got like a twenty pound dog snapper on it the other night. But I'll go out at night in January and February, and we're we're sticking eighty and hundred pound tarpon on those eels. Mm-hmm. And everybody's got spool text. Everybody's got no live bait needed. All these crazy local plastics and lures and stuff or everyone's like man you got it you got to use this and that guy comes down with eels from mm-hmm. the northeast and Smoke. that gets bit three to one on yeah. tarpon and yep. i something about eels i think yeah guys that know you know they don't need a lot you're of in the know you're in the know because you know we got those we got sand eels down here that, that that frequent the reefs and shell and stuff and then uh the redfish at times of the year you'll see when you're cleaning them they'll be full of those six eight inch eels Dude, same thing with the big speckle drop. They'll be full of them. That's what I'm, I'm gonna take out. Pay attention. <laughs> Walmart, everyone at Walmart's be like, "Where are all the magnum worms gone off the peg? Where did those mind go? Your, mind your business. Mind yeah. your business. So, you fished a lot offshore, but what's your bucket list fish off of a kayak? Ooh. Have you caught that yet, or do you still have a few? I did. I did. I didn't even tell you. I went to Panama, dude. I went to Los Buzos. You went to Los Buzos and fished with Adam. With Adam. And I got like a, I don't know how big, dude. Big. Like big Kubera. Oh, big Kubera. Big Kubera. I mean, I got roosters. Ooh. I got a broomtail. I got, you know, I don't know, a whole bunch of different, big bluefin trevally. And oh, wow. it, was, it was awesome. But man, like getting, I see if I can find the picture. Kubera, getting, uh, that's the Kubera, one I want. That's like, a, like, like a 50 or 60 pounder. That'd be so sick. It was nuts, man. I don't know. I'll have to show you later. But that was, I got it on an artificial too. On a that, that makes it even better. Like 35, 45 feet of water where there's like waves breaking against a shoal. Yeah, ripping it out of the rocks. Like it scared me. I, I, I can't believe that I didn't lose that fish. Everything in me was telling wow. me I'm going to lose this fish. Um, yeah, here we go. There it is right there. Giant, giant, Dude, nothing, giant. nothing compares to that. That's it, um, right there. After doing that, I mean, if I had a bucket list, uh, I think Christina Weber, I don't know if you remember the name, Christina yes. Weber, yeah. So she had an ambition of wanting to get a swordfish out of the kayak for a period of time. She would try to work with a couple people out of Stewart, Port St. Lucie area. I'd like to orchestrate that to mothership out and then mothership out and do a sword. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'd try that. Yeah. Or, and cool. or getting the golden, getting the golden tile fish a out golden of the tile fish. would be, uh, would be my bucket list. But beyond that, man, 
some people say, oh, Black Marlin down in Los Buzos. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty scared. Six, that. seven hours worth of fighting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I'd be I happy with a Cubero or a, or a, or a six-inch plus rooster fish. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely yeah, need yeah. to call in backup for, for a big Marlin. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, no. Man, with that, you know, we're going to wrap it up for the night. Talk about a big Kubera. Man, that just makes me want to go get on the water right now. I'm telling you, and it's it's affordable. When you spec it out and you look at how much some – not to, like, discredit local guides. I think guides are, are instrumental in terms of keeping the sport of fishing going and getting people into the sport. But when you start looking at, you know, the dollar value of what it takes right. to fly to Panama, stay in Panama, five full days of kayak fishing for – Exotics with nobody else around you. You're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Great food. Great so. company. Yep. Yeah. Meeting cool, cool people from all over the world. Yep. But all things considered, travel, lodging, tip, expenses, very, very affordable compared yep. to anywhere else. You can plan a one week, you know, trip to with your wife for your, your your booth thing and go to Europe, and you'll probably end up saving money doing the Panama trip. For sure. So I I, I tip my hat to you, Adam. You're you're uh, one of the most wild guys I fish with, and I that's got a good gig going. And then Robert comes down. Robert Fields come down, and, yeah, and gets the ball I rolling. See, get, gets I got the, Robert like we were two ships passing night. He got out of there one day. Oh man, it was, it was a bad day. Like he's like, oh, Justin took <laughs> up. I'm like, it's a shark, and it like I I like birds nest my my conventional setup, and he's trying to get on video. He puts his camera down. He's like, come on now, man. Wait, that's not that's not camera material. It's not camera material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's done he's done well old texas boy too done well with the traveling around youtube vlogging and stuff you know got yeah. a good little gig going uh rob you're listening i'm waiting for you to come on here to uh get you on chasing the tide uh it's about time you you come on the show <laughs> we'll get you on here too so I hey with that i just want to arm wrestle you that's it there you go <laughs> so we're gonna wrap up man uh i really appreciate you appreciate you coming on tonight and uh you know sharing some of the tidbits and stuff uh, about you know info about salt strong and then about talking about your winnings recently um with extreme kite fishing tournament over there in, in uh in pompano pretty cool event uh y'all look that up online and check out the details for next year's events coming up i'd like to see some some of us texas guys go over there i know there has been in the past but uh let's try to make some more more trips over that way. Um, and with that, you know, if you got any uh, shout outs or support uh, you'd like to give thanks to, uh, it's, it's all yours, man. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here, Dustin. I'm, I'm flattered you had me on and, you know, hope, uh, hope I can meet a lot more people over in Louisiana and Texas when I, when I come over to that tournament, Fallen Tide. And we'll come mm-hmm. on. I'll be ready. We're going to go find it. You need to come you on might- you might hand my butt to me, but it'll be worth it. You know, there you go. pay my dues, pay my dues. Well, cool. Well, thank deal, you, man. Justin. This was, this was an awesome podcast. I'm really happy you had me on, man. Sure thing, man. Good times. Well, um, can't do this without the listeners. So, Hey, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, thank everybody for uh, supporting the podcast. Appreciate uh, Waterloo rods and true Jadori co for support of chasing the tide also. And uh, y'all check us out on the waypoint.tv app and all your favorite podcast platforms check us out on there and follow us on youtube to see the video portions of this and that's about it uh we'll wrap it up and we'll catch y'all next time on chasing the tide